Hi everyone, and welcome to That Cartoon Podcast. My name is Kyle. And I'm Tej. So the 90s, pop culture boom. Grunge is on its way, and a lot of the writing of the time that is raising the children of the 90s, it reflects the way that these writers grew up in the 70s and in the 80s. In order to learn what was happening in the mind of the creators at this time, we talked with John Derivlaney. He was one of the writers for Angry Beavers. It's it's weird because I've probably worked on probably close to 150 shows and Angry Beavers is the one that I'm always getting contacted about. Just random people on the internet, they find me and they contact me. I never expected it to have this level of impact and, you know, 20, 30 years later to, <laughs> to, to have super fans. It's a very, these days, I'm going to be 58 in... Um, in October, and these days, when uh, it's very strange, to, uh, writers I hire were like, "Oh, I grew up watching Angry Beavers," or, or you know, people people I pitched to are like, "Yeah, I watched that show when I was a kid," which is a good, you know, it's a good, it's great that it's remembered well, but it's also a little weird that like, wow, I'm everyone's so much younger because <laughs> you know? it, it's entertainment, you know, they're all in their twenties, and I was in my twenties when when I was doing this show, so um, yeah, I mean, the, I. I you never know. I mean, there's I, I've I've worked on shows and they they have weird, intense followings. You know that it's the great thing about cartoons is that they they do hit you at this young age and you have like fans forever, and and it affects them in a very personal way. And I I take that a lot more seriously now than I did at Angry Beavers. He got started with Nickelodeon, um, which at this time was a creatively free company. Content was not as regulated, so creators and writers were pretty much free to do whatever they wanted to do. It was just the perfect situation where, you know, we, we were able to do what we want. I mean, they, there were things they, they pulled us back on. Um, I mean, mostly the kid-friendly things and the, and the dangerous things. But, um, I mean, even, even now there's things in there that we couldn't get away. Like, they call each other stupid. You can't call anyone stupid anymore. You know, <laughs> they had a curse word, spoot, which I don't think we'd get on the air these days or a normal, a normal network wouldn't air it. Um, you know, the, the, the executive at the time was this woman, Mary Harrington, and she was just, she was one of this, if it made her laugh, she'd let it go or if it, it kept her interested, you know, she was kind of like that old breed of person that was just, you know, making decisions based on her gut rather than any marketing or, or, or you know, corporate stuff. Which you'll see later in the 2000s, it definitely become Nickelodeon definitely became a lot more corporate and a lot there were there were a lot more people working there. <laughs> there were a lot more people. Yeah, I've worked at Disney and, and you hand in a script to Disney and on the title page there's like 50 names. You know the dis distribution list. There's 50 names on these things and you know here I <laughs> I have a title here title page here and it's like no one. <laughs> it just went I went to Mary. And it went, I, they did have a broadcast standards person, but he was he or she was mostly concerned about, you know, kids imitating stuff, you know. Later on, it started to jump into a more corporate management and shows started to get censored, bringing the current shows that are, a, you know, a bit more soft and regulated. Not, not quite as grunge and hardcore as what uh, 90s kids were growing up with. Um... The millennial generations are filter-free fucking savages. I mean, these guys party with, with beer kegs, 
We're creating the content for children and essentially raising an entire generation of children while just, you know, getting getting hammered. They were partying. They were just youngsters creating what they thought was funny. The things that made them laugh. They were like, yeah, this will make some kids laugh. To all those 90s geniuses that created our childhood, thank you for fucking us up so bad. We love you. We wouldn't be here and who we are without you. I mean, we were just trying to make ourselves laugh and enjoy ourselves. And I think the network wasn't corporate enough to stop us at that point. So, uh, in fact, there's actually a, a character in the show called Kid Friendly. He's like this weird sort of cowboy guy. Because the, at the time, the executives had to keep explaining us this concept of make it kid friendly <laughs> we were just like it's it's we were mostly taking things from our own lives being brothers and like the, the weird dumb fights you have with siblings that was really where we were coming from we weren't really thinking about kids and in fact re-watching them now some of the language is is way over the a six-year-old or an eight-year-old's head so they probably should have done a better job of of <laughs> patrolling us but I, I think they were just too new and they didn't they weren't quite sure what they were doing so, the show that we talked about for our first 90s kid episode is, of course, The Angry Beavers. Love the show. Uh, love it. Just absolutely love it. Um, definitely, so, you know, as with a lot of Nickelodeon early days, uh, filled with plenty of uh, jokes that fly under the radar. Yeah, you can tell that this wasn't a show written like it wasn't targeted for kids, even though they were the audience, like they were just writing what they thought was funny, I think. It was like a mom and pop operation or something. It's like they, they, they were like it was like people playing TV. They It didn't seem like they'd ever done this before. So I think that's how you got these really interesting shows like Ren and Stimpy and Angry Beavers and SpongeBob and all, all these original things that came out in the 90s. I think people didn't know better or they weren't testing it or they wouldn't putting it putting it through the corporate machine that they do now. And you know, I just I just thought it was funny and and the the main creator was brilliant brilliant artist Mitch Shower and you know, we were just I think the first the first season might have been only 6 episodes or something and we you know, we were just trying to make ourselves laugh. <laughs> you know, there was there was no grand scheme, no no big no big plan. Uh, just trying to make every, the other guy in the room laugh. And then Mitch was constantly drawing and just an amazing, amazing artist. There are things in Angry Beavers that you don't see in other shows, like just the perspectives. He he has this ha habit of like, you know, storyboarding, like in all these upper and lower and side perspectives that you just don't see. Now you do because they could do it on computers easily. But in those days, you didn't because it's hard because you have to think of the character and you have to think about how they look in like a wide angle from, you know, the ground. So... So uh, this show had 63 episodes. Uh, some sources say 62, but, you know, so 62, 63. Um, about five seasons. Okay. Give or, give or take. Um, we'll, we'll discuss why it may have gotten cut a little bit early and may not have gotten all the episodes that it deserved. But so it ran. It ran from April nineteenth, nineteen ninety seven, until November of two thousand one. Um, it was created by Mitch Shower and 
Keith Kazarek. Uh, of course, the network that I premiered on. We all know this. Nickelodeon. Let's go. Let's go. Nickelodeon used to be such a powerhouse. It really was, though, because, you know, it wasn't, it didn't have the corporate shackles, you know? So uh, everywhere else they had all these boards yeah. that they had to get get past. Nickelodeon was just like, you, you, you said it's funny? Cool. Put it on. Greenlit. Although, to be fair, I feel like no TV channels are really that relevant anymore with the dawn of streaming. So... Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, th- every the whole landscape is different. Yeah. It's just not the same. Uh, so for this show, the the two main characters are Norbert and Daggett, two mm-hmm. Beaver brothers. Uh, Norbert being the older brother, voiced by Nick Bouquet. Uh, he's also famous for having been a Salem, the black cat from mm-hmm. Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, played him in the TV show that we all know and love if you're mm-hmm. a 90s kid. And also in any of the other uh, adaptations following that, you know, animated and... Yeah, I didn't realize until I was looking it up that he was uh, also Salem. And I was like, yeah, no, he definitely was. That sounds exactly like him. Yeah, no, yeah. as soon as I pictured it, I was like, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. that's him. That is for sure Norbert. Um... And as of now, he is, um, Nick Bacay is the executive producer of Young Sheldon, the, the show about the main character from the Big Bang Theory as a child. Oh, man, we, I won't hold that against him. <laughs> uh, and then Daggett, the younger brother, voiced by Richard Steven Horvitz. He is also a pretty notorious voice actor for 90s kids. Uh, he did the like of Invader Zim. Great. You might recognize that name. Um, he also has done some video gaming voice, Warcraft, Halo 4, and uh, yeah, and, and plenty of others. Little fun fact, uh, Norbert for the pilot episode was voiced by Mitch, the creator mm-hmm. of the entire series. Yeah, only a pilot. After that, they had um, they had Nick Bouquet going forward. Yeah, I think I think Nick does a pretty good job. Um, he plays a very hateable intellectual. Absolutely, and you know, I, there's always if you have brothers or probably siblings, but my experience is with brothers. You you can find yourself in one of these two characters. I feel like uh, I always saw my older brother, who's an intellectual, or likes to be an intellectual um as norbert and i always thought i was dag because dag yeah, is I a feel dummy like dag's more fun to hang out with in in short bursts for sure like it, it doesn't show it in the show everyone everyone seems to be real annoyed with daggett but like daggett is having yeah. his own fun he doesn't really care if anyone yeah, else i, is I feel fun. like that's because most of the characters are norbert's friends or and they know Daggett because they're because they know Norb, and we don't really get to see many of Daggett's like personal, like friends of on his own. That that is definitely true, and some of you may be saying they're wondering if you haven't seen the show, what the hell we're talking about. So real quick, the show it's about two beavers, in case you couldn't tell, who are siblings, Norbert, yeah. Norbert and Daggett. They live together in a dam. 
And uh, so Daggett is the younger sibling. He has a wild uh, imagination and personality that gets himself into trouble. But uh, then there's Norb, the older brother, who is is a bit more together, we'll say. Um, and he's usually left to clean up yeah. his brother's mess. Um, Dag, Dag is a character that always seems to need support and validation uh, from his much cooler and calmer and more put together brother. Yeah, but I, I think there's a lot of episodes of this show where it is shown that um, both have their strengths and weaknesses, and Norbert, despite being projected as this put together, you know, mature individual, actually can be just as stupid and immature as Daggett. Uh, I would say so too, yeah. There are plenty of episodes where it shows his vanity, shows Norbert's vanity, and, you know, Daggett has no vanity. No, Daggett is, like, a savage in the wild. (laughs) Yeah. Like, Daggett does not give a shit. He will run outside in all of his underwear glory. Yeah, he he will. Um and well, you know, he's he's dressed. He's fully dressed. That that costume, if you watch the animation, like the legs where you think that those are his bare legs are attached to the costume. And we'll get to what we're talking about, but isn't that isn't that super weird? That that is weird. And like the, those costumes are just weird because the the costume makes their body like three times its normal size. Just like what are you, <laughs> what's happening? Hey man, it's a muscle suit. They have those in real life. It's a muscle suit. Yeah, I guess that. Uh, yeah, I mean, I feel like most superhero movies prior to the MCU making their actors like kill themselves working out, they just added padding to the suits. True. Yeah, the old Superman, yeah. Christopher Reeves, Batman with his fake nipples. So, uh, what we're talking about is actually the first chunk of episodes that we watched, the uh, the two episodes that Tease recommended. So, <clears throat> so the, the two episodes that I chose were actually, they're not sequential in order, but they are sequels to each other. Um, Muscular Beaver, well, Muscular Beaver, and then Muscular Beaver 2. Um, they're episodes that kind of, harken back to each other um, and they establish some kind of measure of continuity in what is generally um, pretty, you know, self-contained episodes. I mean, there's references here and there, but most of the time every episode can stand on its own. And interestingly enough, these episodes were actually written um, by John. um, I think three of the four episodes that we wrote, or that we wrote, that we uh, listened to and watched, I can't even talk, that we watched, uh, were written by John, right? They were, yeah, yeah um, by by a nice happy coincidence. Uh, yeah. The interview that we secured was the writer of three of the four episodes. Not planned. That no, way. yeah, because I think we, I think we picked the episodes before we had got, before we had gotten the whole interview thing situated, so it just kind of worked out for us, and it's, you know, it's, it's just cool. I think when you when you watch the three episodes, you kind of can see that there's a similar kind of writing style. They all have some similarities to to some degree, but and then you watch the the fourth episode that we watched, uh, 
which was written or written by I think I think it's Kate or Cat Lykel or Lakel. Um yes. who has her own writing credits, you know, not to not to disparage her at all, but it is just it is a different episode. It felt different and had a different atmosphere. Um but these episodes that we watched Definitely. Muscular Beaver and Muscular Beaver one and two um there's you know they're they're just fun little episodes there's five of them in total technically um however i guess you could kind of say that there's seven um because there are five named muscular beaver episodes and then there are also two other episodes where muscular beaver is either referenced or dag just wears the costume um and in fact the very first um reference to muscular beaver is not even in a muscular beaver episode. It's in the Christmas episode called Gift Horse. Um <laughs> where you know, Dag puts on the costume for the very first time and until the shenanigans of Dag happen, Norb has really no problem with the costume. He's just like, "Yeah, cool costume, man." He I think his exact words are groovy costume. Um muscular beaver you know he's until dag escalates it too far which yeah which is how the show always dag dag and norbert usually on the same page when dag's doing something stupid until dag just takes it that one step too far and then then it just becomes a problem for everyone um yeah (laughs) muscular beaver he's kind of like an amalgamation of a couple of superheroes but i think he's mostly if batman had somewhat superpowers um but his powers and I yeah it seems like a batman superman yeah he's a he's like a batman superman combo but more his costume more batman his powers more superman his powers he has he has a lot of great <laughs> powers they include and these are all real powers of muscular beaver fur of steel fisho vision laser teeth laser teeth uh, supersonic tail slaps of doominess. Mighty armor-piercing breath of timber. Uh, and the supersonic sneeze of uh, Smarted, I think is how they pronounced it. <laughs> All very real powers that need to be taken seriously because they're devastating to his foes. Uh, he also has a bunch of gadgets, and honestly, the powers are so stupid that I'm not even going to get into the gadgets. They're they're equally as dumb, um, including one which is just a used handkerchief. Ugh, Dag. <laughs> um, so in this first episode, uh, Dag puts on the muscular beaver costume, and he's just you know he's just playing around, and Norb is like, "Hey, buddy, like you know, every time you wear that costume, you destroy things." Maybe you should not do that. Dag takes that to heart and decides he's not going to put on the muscular beaver costume and play around inside. He's just going to go outside and do it instead. Goes outside, plays muscular beaver out there, and now Dorb's mo- Dorb. Norb is mortified because he is embarrassing him. Um, but Dag doesn't care because he's not answering to Dag anymore. Dag is... I think he literally says Daggett is dead because um, now he's only answering to muscular beaver um, goes around. He's he's helping, quote unquote, the, fe- the the woodland creatures that they that they all know and love. Um, but he is not good at it. 
at one point he literally he throws a bunch of baby eagles out of the out of their nest and is like don't flap your wings to fly just put your arms out in a very like uh iron giant-esque advice of how to fly <laughs> And just throws them off a cliff, and the mom has to save them. Um, all these creatures that Dag's been annoying, they come to Norbert, and, like, you got to stop him. And Norb realizes that there's only one way to stop Muscular Beaver. It's by dressing up as his arch nemesis, Baron Bad Beaver. Norb somehow has this costume ready and is prepared for this eventuality. Never explained, but we all know that obviously Norb has been cosplaying as Baron Bad Beaver, Beaver on his on his own, just on the sly. Um, they engage in a epic thumb wrestling battle that looks to like it spans multiple hours and multiple locations. Um, they keep they, it keeps transitioning to a different spot that they're just having this thumb war at, um, but you know. Norbert, aka Baron Bad Beaver, wins and forces Daggett to um, to promise to never wear the costume again and to stop embarrassing him. Daggett, ever the gracious loser, agrees and decides he's going to take off the costume. But little does Norbert know that underneath Muscular Beaver, he's actually Double O Beaver, a secret agent who is literally just a james bond ripoff um that, that there's nothing else to say he just fixes his little bow tie and he goes on his way and i don't think we ever see double o beaver again i don't remember ever having another double o beaver episode but i'm i'm sad i, I don't think so i think that was just like the gag for that moment yeah. um so that's 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 episode one you know pretty pretty simple self-contained the second episode even less really happens um this, these government scientists come by and they demand to see Muscular Beaver to help them with a problem. Dag breaks his promise, puts on the costume. Norbert finds out immediately. And the scientists convince them that they need their help to fight a giant tree monster that's wreaking havoc across the countryside and giving people splinters. Norbert decides to help by becoming Dag's sidekick. Uh, the aptly named Baron Once Bad, Now Good Beaver. Um, and to prove that he's now good, they paint like a smiley face and little hearts on his bucket helmet. Um, you know, even though neither of them actually have any powers and are both very, very incompetent, even in the like easiest of scenarios, they uh, eventually fell this foul beast. And... Once again, they kind of retire their superhero personas. Um, but as I've already explained, there are multiple Muscular Beaver episodes after this, so it doesn't last very long. Um, I think the one, the one fun fact I was able to find about that episode, the second one specifically, is that there's a pan-up shot um, where it goes up a cliff, and you see Dag as muscular beaver and the music that they use is straight from the 1989 tim burton batman movie um in case you weren't sure that this is just batman if he had superpowers and was a beaver but i don't know i liked those episodes i've always 
I've always loved Muscular Beaver. I think it's such a stupid superhero, um, and somehow that makes it so much better. Um, the idea that this is not something that Daggett made up. This is an actual, like, full-on superhero character in the world, and all the stuff that Dag's doing is just par is just parroting something that some real person wrote. Whenever he has emotional issues, he'd become muscular beaver, which is kind of a complicated story for a, a kid's show. I mean, that's it, 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 that was the underlying premise. I mean, it doesn't, it's not as pronounced as it didn't end up being as pronounced in the show, but it's like whenever he can't deal with his emotions, he adopts this persona. People always put on a brave face or a costume when they aren't feeling their best or if they're confused and mixed up by their emotions. Just in this case, it ends with Dag being a menace and less of a hero, usually, and nor being embarrassed and having to don his alter ego, Baron Von Bad Beaver. Or, I guess in this yeah, case, Baron Bad... Once, no, no, once, once bad, once bad. now good yes, beaver. Once bad, now good beaver. <laughs> and it's that's the official name. That's so stupid, but that's that's who he is. That's who he is now. And he has to say the full name every time. Yeah, every single time. Um, you know, I, I really relate to this because I can remember multiple times when me and you um, would be going out on Halloween or something and just wreaking havoc in our very stupid, usually thrown together at the last minute costumes. Yeah, I, I remember being uh, Darth Vader on vacation because I had Darth Vader, Still Darth Vader helmet and a Hawaiian shirt. Still one of the best costumes I've ever seen. It's so funny to me. <laughs> <laughs> I think you had all of like five minutes of prep because we, we had to go to a, a a Halloween. We had to go to a Halloween thing. And then I think they were, we were hosting a Halloween party at your place. And you were like, what am I going to be? It was, you were just doing Mad Libs by like, Pointing at two separate things in the room. Like, that works. Darth Vader on vacation. People loved it. What more do you want? Loved it. <laughs> the hit of the party. Uh, it was. <laughs> uh, so, you know, what? one of my favorite parts about this show is uh, the dynamic between the brothers. It, it's just so good and it feels so much like, a, like two siblings who are just duking it out, who just can't seem to mesh or come together on things i mean they come together but it's usually like a, a chemical reaction when they do yeah it's it's yeah it's like oil and water a lot of times they just don't mix i, I had a brother too and we would do insanely mean things to each other now i look back on some of the things we did to each other i'm like that's crazy <laughs> You know, we, we, we almost could have killed each other doing some of these things, you know, so we we were trying to capture that that spirit of 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 realness and, you know, sibling rivalries. They do a great job of making you feel the way Norbert's feeling, like making you feel like Dag is annoying. But then they also do an equally great job of making you feel sympathy for Dag and making you think, man, Norb, Norb should really lay off. It's a fair balance. Yeah, I was always a very, I, I I don't I disagree. I was always a fair like a staunch pro Daggett person as a kid. 
as a kid, yes, I, I am. I was fully pro Daggett, but like, you know, now you're like, okay. I remain, I remain an anti Norbertist until I die. <laughs> until I die. Take that, Nick Bacay. <laughs> the first one I chose. Sangam High uh, came out with season three on April fourth, nineteen ninety nine. Written by, you guessed it, mm-hmm. John Derevlani. So, uh, so th- this episode it actually it opens with a um, muscular beaver part three, mm-hmm. which which is fantastic. Once again, an unintentional coincidence. Yeah, not planned, but here we are. Uh, so it, it opens with Dag and Norbert. They're just arguing back and forth, back and forth. Uh, I, I think it, it even says, uh, like, can you remember what we were arguing about? And then Dag is like, are not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Dag, Dag is just upset because he can't ever seem to have an intellectual victory with his brother. So he goes off in a hizzy and he, he storms out. Um, only to encounter the Lady of the Lanes, <laughs> a.k.a. Laverta Lutz. She is a, uh, a... How to describe Laverta Lutz? She she is a magical woman that you would imagine would spend a lot of time at a bowling alley. Um, and she has the ability to grant wishes. Uh, she she often she often uh, comes across Dag's path when he is in need or when he is distressed about something. Um, so this ha- this time, uh, Dag happens to find her just uh, underneath the surface of the lake, just sort of bubbling there. Just just she's there. She's not breathing under the lake. She's just floating under the lake, and he finds her, and she starts hacking up a lung. I, I was rereading the script for uh, Sangam High, and I actually had a line where she's like, she's coughing so hard, her lung comes out of her mouth and dangles from her her chin. <laughs> no, but then I, I, I rewatched the episode. And I'm like, oh, they pro- they cut that. Just they just finally, they finally stepped in for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Daggett's like, hey, I wish. I could beat my brother in an argument and Lover lets well, you know, it's not over till the fat lady sings. And those two statements end up being more related than you would think. Um, yeah. During this episode. So what, what happens is she grants his wish. He, he is going to be able to have the last word in every argument. How does that happen? You may wonder. So the next time the two brothers get into a little, a little tiff, um, Daggett swells to a very large stature, uh, like pretty much reaching the roof of their house, um, and mm-hmm. begins belting out just a beautiful song. He has a beautiful singing voice when he turns into the fat beaver that sings. Um, so, you know, Dat Dag sings a medley of songs, including the absolute banger. I ain't no stoopy poopy beaver, which can still be found popping up in my brain every once in a while. Every, literally every every day. Um, 
sung, I think, by Susan or Suzanne Blakesley. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly, I think about that song every single day. It is a core memory for me. Absolutely. I, I remember my brothers and I singing it to each other and getting the words wrong plenty. And it, it was just, I love that song. Um, oh, yeah. No, no one knows the words past the first line, but that's okay. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Just fill it in with yeah. whatever rhymes. Yeah. So, Norm quickly realizes that, damn, Dad, Dad can sing when he's angry. So he starts trying to profit off of it. He brings out all this recording equipment. Um, and just me like, hey, we're going to record you singing, Dad. Uh, you have no choice. And Dad is like, well, I can only do it when I'm angry. And then so that's when Norbert starts being like, well, you are a stupid, poopy beaver. Yeah, as along with many other insults. Yeah. Uh, and and then he, he you know he swells up again, becomes becomes big fat beaver, sings again, and it's at this point that you know you get the sense that he's being taken advantage of by Norbert. Um, he, he realizes that his anger has become a spectacle for his brother, and so he he returns to Laverta Lutz, who is still in the lake, um, and she kind of teaches him to breathe through his anger, to uh, to let it go, let it pass, instead of lashing out every time he feels a flare-up happening. Which, honestly, great message for children to learn. Uh, you know, you have to breathe through it. It's, maybe it's not about getting the last word. Maybe it's just about being the one that comes out of it calm. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a really deep thought um, for a quote-unquote kids' show. And also, that script is like 30 pages long. The scripts were really, really detailed. Like, uh, uh, we were calling out shots and like very specific details. Like, uh, 30 pages for an 11 minute is really long. Normally, it's like 13 to 16 pages, maybe, or 12 to 16 pages. So it was twice the length because of all these weird details we were put in. And then also, later seasons, they really got into like misreading the words and the scripts. <laughs> You know, like genuine would be genuine. You know, the Nick Nick Norb Nick McKay would really go to go to some strange places. So that that was something I also noticed in later seasons. They were just sort of reading their own interpretation of English words. <laughs> they all just had no. It they all just had like super long monologues that they just had to keep cutting for time. <laughs> I don't know why they keep cutting it. We just want Norbert to give a 10 minutes uh, stand up about, you know, yeah. airline food. Yeah, J- John Derivlaney just kept writing like Shakespearean like prose, and they were just like, bro, just, <laughs> just cut. The, the song is called Stupid Poopy Beaver. Like, just... <laughs> it doesn't need a sonnet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> And yeah, and that that's the that's the end of that episode. Daggett learns to control his anger and that, you know, maybe you don't need to have the last word in an argument. I think I think that's like the most I think that would be like the most well known, if not episode, like moment of the show, wouldn't you say? It has to be. I mean, with that song, like Yeah. Anytime I've sang Stoopy Poopy Beaver and someone around our age is nearby, they know what I'm talking about. 
Yeah, even if they don't know exactly, you know, they've never seen any other episode of the show, I feel like everyone at some point that was, you know, alive around the same time we were um, has heard or is aware of, of, I think it's called like Daganova, the actual name of the song, mm-hmm. but everyone calls it Stoopy Poopy Beaver because that's that's the most important part of the song, that he yeah. ain't no Stoopy Poopy Beaver. Yeah, and he will show you my brother. You shall be the receiver of one smackdown. One put down. Put down. I think it's put down. It's put down. Wow, so exposed. I, I've been saying exposed. it wrong. I've been saying it wrong for a exposed. decade. Exposed. Balls exposed <laughs> if not on more. stream. <laughs> so the final episode we watched was from the first season, uh, released in 1997. It's approximately 11 minutes long. It's uh, Bugaboo. This one, I feel like a lot of people will also remember. Uh, it's one that really sticks out in my mind, at least. I, I'm not quite sure why, but it just does. Um, this one is one where the beavers essentially alludes to them getting wasted. Um, the, the beavers get wasted on their preferred drink, Yahoo, but they just release a new version, Yahoo Light. Kind of like a, a light beer. Um <laughs> But, you know, so before they're crashing and they're about to pass out, they do, they read a label on the beer and it says, keep out of reach of bugs um, or don't let bugs drink this pretty much. And it's a little warning and they, they pay it no mind. They, they just pass the fuck out. Um, so fast forward a little bit to the middle of the night and a bug has gotten into a spill of some of the Yahoo light. Uh oh. This bug grows, grows to a giant size, like bear or elephant size. It's giant. It's huge. Yeah. Fucking huge. Like, I would say bigger than a bear because I'm pretty sure it's bigger than the bear character that they have in the show. You know? Yeah. I Bury the bear. Yeah. Bury the bear. Exactly. I was I was trying to think and I was like, wait, no. Yeah. Bury the bear. That's the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um... This one, this one's really fun. So, like, the, the bug grows to a large size, but only Daggett. Daggett's the only one that keeps seeing it for a while. And mm-hmm. Norbert's just like, you're crazy. Like, let's just go back to bed. What, what's wrong with you? Um, until Norbert, of course, he, he does see it. He finally sees it, and then there is a nice chase scene, um, which is fairly reminiscent of, a, of like, a Looney Tunes chase, um, that kind of pursuit. You know, just with like with the sound effects, the music that they use, and like um, the the type the type of animation that they're doing, you can tell that there's some Looney Tunes inspiration going on there. Really, because cause when I was watching it, I I thought it was very reminiscent of the Scooby Doo chase scenes from the old show. Oh yeah, I I could see that too. But, A little Hanna Barbera. Yeah, but I can see Looney Tunes as well because I think in both styles they're always accidentally running into each other. They are, yes. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, no, that's fair, totally. Uh, I could see a little bit of Warner Brothers, a little bit of Hanna-Barbera, you know. they Both would, would have definitely inspired uh, animators that were working in the 90s. For sure, for sure. Yeah. Um, so, you know, after the bug grows to a giant size, um, you know, Norb tells him he's tripping, they chase each other, and then they start kind of hunting him with, like, hockey pads and uh bug spray mm-hmm. um you know they have finally they've banded together to to take down this bug 
Um, but they've cornered the bug and Dag, Dag recognizes the unmistakable look of fear. Uh, he's like, that's a, he's pretty much just like, that's a look I've had many times. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and he's like, no, maybe we shouldn't, you know, kill this bug. Uh, you know, we, it's, it's, it's just a fairy. He's just a little guy. He's just a little guy. He don't deserve this. Um, and so that essentially the, the, it ends with, uh, the bug shrinks back down. Things are happy. Um, and the beavers are going back to sleep. They can finally put their heads down now that this craziness is over. And of course, Norbert, um, Norbert's like, hey, dad, by the way, um, yeah, we, I know we cleaned up everything. Did, did you remember to, uh, put the trash out? Yeah, of course I did. Oh, good. Did you remember to close the lid? And then it's just a, a shot of the outside, and there are just giant bugs clock, uh, um, flying out of the lake, crawling out of the house, just all sorts of giant bugs uh, surrounding their household. I think one lands on the moon at one point. <laughs> yeah, one lands on the moon. <laughs> yeah. But that, I mean, but that, I don't think that's ever referenced again. That's, it's done. No. Yeah. I, it, I, I just I do I love all these subtle nods to um to adult humor like the, the Yahoo light that's great but um the writers created their own cuss word that you know I, I today they probably would not be able to create a cuss word for a children's show but for this they they created spoot mm-hmm. that calling calling people a spoot head and you big spoot. At that time in the 90s, they were like, we're the home of the creators because their big competition was Disney, which was the home of, you know, make a thing and, and ring, you know, billions, billions of dollars out of it. And they were like, we're the home of the creators, that which was great for a while until the creators took that a little too seriously and said, it's the home of the creator. We could do anything I, we want, which <laughs> which I think might have happened with, you know, the creators of Angry Beaver and may have ultimately doomed it because they thought they could do anything they want. And ultimately it didn't. This podcast is produced by Franzapata and Undercover Pod Network. Our hosts are Kyle Frazier and Teej Singh. Audio editing by Kyle Frazier. Research by Kyle Frazier, Teej Singh, and Franzapata. Story editing by Kyle Frazier, Teej Singh, and Franzapata. Make sure you subscribe if you like what we have going on and stay updated on new releases. We release a new episode every other Friday. You can find our podcast on most major platforms, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Audible, and if you're feeling tipsy and want to help us get some nice ice cold chocolate milk, there's some love at patreon.com slash thatcartoonpodcast. Also, we'll be sending special gadgets to our patrons, from shoutouts to exclusive stickers, swag, and even some Patreon-exclusive content. See you on the next episode of That Cartoon Podcast.